Hello and welcome to Movie Film Studios, the only podcast that takes you inside the mind of two film studio executives as we unravel and then re-ravel the best that Hollywood has to offer. I'm Isaac. And I'm AJ. And this week, our childhood toys enact a master plot to take down a pair of criminal Hollywood actors utilising the power of Chinese martial arts. But before we get into something new, it's time for something old as we check in on our last feature in Box Office Report. Uh, Last week, we released the eSports film, Intravenous, about a plucky group of people with a uh, rare disease and their uh, struggles to win a, a major tournament. How did that go? Yeah, so you may recall that we named the disease after my own name, actually, my own surname. Uh, there were two variants of the z- disease depending on where the person was in the world. So there was a, either Scarcella syndrome or Scarcella syndrome. Yes. Uh, we thought that given we'd named it after producer on the film, me, uh, there'd be no problem from legal. Like, you know, I could uh, just sign over my name, we'd use it in the film, that's that. Well, I mean, I didn't sue, but the rest of my family did. Oh, God. Uh, So not only my family here in uh, the country that we produce this podcast. Uh, but also the uh, my family over in the old country, over in All Italy. Right. So I'm assuming your family over here uh, sued you for the Scarcella and the family overseas uh, sued you for Scarcella? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so we're facing a multitude of lawsuits uh, coming from the entire Scarcella, Scarcella clan. Um, and uh, I have no sway over it, apparently. So... I mean, we either release this film and just hope that all the lawsuits just magically go away, uh, or we rename it to... I mean, how, how are your family? Are they litigious as well? Can well, we name the, it the Williams? The Williamses are very, very plentiful, <laughs> but also not terribly litigious, so... Okay, so do you have an alternate uh, way to pronounce your surname as well that we can use as the secondary yeah, form of the disease? It just doesn't work unless it's got that little sort of like... What if we call you... We'll do it the Williams and the Will I Ams... <laughs> Uh, we definitely think, won't get sued. No, the, the Black Eyed Peas has got so much <laughs> power behind them. We'll just chuck them in the soundtrack. Oh, right. With that the, way they're producers on the film okay. and we can use their name. That's the way these things to work. To be fair, I've seen a lot of interviews with Will I Am, and yep. he doesn't seem to look like he knows what's going on most of the time. So I'm sure if we give him a producing credit and a song on the soundtrack, we'll be fine. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we'll get sued just for that comment. <laughs> anyway, on to this week in trailers. And first trailer for you today is Master Z or Z, The Ip Man Legacy, directed by Wan Wu Ping and starring Max Zhang, Dave Portista, and Li Yan. What 我上班不喝酒。我说可以就可以。I don't really know what this film is about. Can I again? And I, I think I did this last week. Apologize for putting <laughs> a foreign language film because I'm fairly sure we watching the trailers get to read the subtitles. We do, yeah. And you don't get to. And this is also a film that's jam packed <laughs> full of action sequences, yeah. which again don't really translate in an audio medium. It doesn't. It's really I, I, I want to say well worth the watch just for the goofy ass scene where they're trying to <laughs> give each other a glass of alcohol using martial arts. Yeah. Um, but I still think it's a bit goofy. I mean, look, there's there's definite skill involved in that because uh, what they doing is they're trying to pass a a glass to each other without actually holding onto the glass and handing it to them so they're sort of doing this weird 
Tai Chi, I tai, suppose, yeah. with, with really weird bent wrists and pushing yep. martial art flexing. Yep. Um, so the uh, I assume the guy who was the action dude from the other Ip Man's or IP Man uh, <laughs> films is now a waiter, and Michelle Yeo or Yao uh, comes along and they pour a gl- glass of scotch, and the whole thing is pushing the glass of scotch yep. back and forth using these weird martial arts techniques. There's no stakes, and it also looks really stupid. I have no <laughs> idea why they've decided to make it like a feature piece for the trailer. I think but- it's. I, I think the thing with these Chinese martial arts films is that the whole appeal of them is that everything's done in camera, uh, so there's not a lot of CGI. I mean, most of the CGI is really just to remove wires and stuff, but all the action's meant to be happening live on on set in the camera. Uh, so it's sort of like, I guess it's meant to be that kind of like ballet-esque kind of skillful flaunting of their moves. But yeah, it just comes across as a little bit lame. Um, this film is apparently a spin-off uh, of the very last Ip Man film, the Ip Man 3. Uh, so it doesn't actually include the titular character, uh, it includes characters who were defeated by Ip Man, uh, which is apparently what that waiter guy is. Oh, so, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I assumed he was the Ip Man. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not the Ip Man. Um, and uh, Dave Bautista shows up at some point to act because he's, he's big and burly. And uh, I think one of the the feature pieces of these Ip Mans, I don't even know, is it Ip Man or is it Ip Man or is it? I, I couldn't matter. tell you. Is where you have the one hero taking on about 200 bad guys. Yeah. And the, the 200 bad guys are always dressed in, like, the same black suit, white shirt, black tie. Yep. yep. And they uh, and then he just beats them up one by one yep. uh, in this sort of, like, massive, sort of epic, yeah. long-lasting... And I think you mentioned it as well, where all of the fighting is choreographed and repeated and yep. it's not done with, like, a series of quick cuts and edits. No. It's almost... Uh, obviously, the, the Wachowski brothers took a lot of their inspiration, or the Wachowski siblings, siblings as right. I suppose, yep. as they are now, but they're back in 1999 when they were making The Matrix, um, uh, took a lot of their inspiration from the Shaw brothers yeah. thing. And, and you watch the, the behind-the-scenes stuff of uh, Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne trying to do their choreographed stuff, and it's, it's, it is them doing those martial arts moves. They put in a lot of training. And yeah. then in the second film when it's just all CGI garbage <laughs> and I'm just like why Why when you did it so perfectly the first time would you go back to something that doesn't work uh, that's what I quite like about the look of these films yeah. is like while it kind of looks very heavily choreographed I'm very happy that it's actual hands actually blocking yeah. and ducking and yeah. Uh, it works quite nice. It's nice that you mentioned The Matrix, actually, because the director of this film, uh, Wan Wu Ping, apologies if I screwed up the name, actually did the choreography for The Matrix. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. So there you go. Um, yeah, look, you're only going to go see this film for all the hardcore action. Who, get, who gives a crap about the story? Also, so, the, the very well-choreographed passing <laughs> a glass of scotch back and forth. That's exactly, like, you know, exactly. very important. Yes, indeed. All right, on to trailer number two for this week's episode, which is Toy Story 4, directed by Josh Cooley and starring Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, she's already making friends. No, no, she literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, Hi. Hello. Hi. Ah! He's a spork. Yes, yeah, I know. Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Woody, we have a situation. I am not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. Freedom! Buzz, we've got to get Forky. Affirmative. Why am I alive? You're Bonnie's toy. You are going to help create happy memories that will last for the rest of her life. Huh? What? Oh, yeah. 
Ah, oh, we're back in Toy World. Back in the world that we thought we said goodbye to in Toy Story 3. Uh, and we're back for yet another adventure, for whatever reason. You say yet another adventure. It very much feels like the same adventure. It is just the same adventure again. Favourite toy gets lost. Yep. Other toys go looking for that toy. Yep. Road trip through areas that toys shouldn't exist to find their yep. way back home. Yep. Have to fight off other evil toys. Yep. To be fair, this feels like more of a road trip movie than uh, the previous Toy Stories. But yeah, it's sort of hitting... hitting very similar themes to all the other Toy Story films, um, which is weird because, like I said, with Toy Story 3, there was a nice finality to it. There was a really, yep. it was very tender. Um, it was very, like, heart-wretching I think times. I think in a way where having grown up with these characters and feeling like they were your friends at, from watching it as a child, yep. and now you're watching this film as an adult and like very much like it, it, it plays that emotional string, the, yeah. um, the bit where they're in the... Uh, garbage <laughs> and they're heading towards the incinerated, incinerated yeah. and everyone in the cinema who's about 25 who watched the first <laughs> film when they're about 10 yep. is tearing up yep. uh, it really begs the question what's this one well, who's this one for is I don't it, know is it trying to open up those characters and that merchandising for another generation of well, impressionable I, youths you or? say merchandising but one of the big new characters in this film is literally just a plastic spork with googly eyes and some pipe cleaner wire around it as well now available for $89.99 <laughs> from the Disney store like of course they're going to sell it it doesn't matter if you can make this it at home thing. this is the thing as well like i this is that's the immediate thing i thought of because when i heard that toy story 4 was coming out i was like great i can um because the toys are sort of out of print i guess now i have a, a small collection of the toy story gang and i kind of want to have more of them i want to have the entire andy's bedroom yeah. set basically so i was like great new films coming out that means you're going to rehash all the toys again which means i can go out and buy them without paying a stupid amount of money on ebay and then i see that one of the new characters is just a plastic spork with googly eyes that one of the kids has been the kid uh, bonnie from toy story 3 has made it uh and it's come to life like all the other toys do um I'm like how are they going to market that are they going to like are they just going to they're not going to just take plastic sporks and attach googly eyes to them. That means you're going to have to like actually res like plastic cast a toy that looks like trash, <laughs> which, which is weird, right? It's going to be plastic cast pipe cleaner arm. Yeah, that, that would feel. It's kind of like when the Lego Group had to make uh, Benny the Spaceman, who has a broken helmet. But they actually had to make it broken as part of the like casting of it, so they can and, mass and produce his, it. His little sort of like uh, printed on. Yeah, he's printed. Has, 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 has to look like and, it's been faded yeah. and smudged and exactly. And they did a really good job of look making it look like that piece of Lego was like twenty years old. But like, it's so weird when they have to they like have to make it out of an off white plastic. They have to like, make like, yeah. the white blocks like, <laughs> go after about twenty years. There's an interesting point uh, about this film as well in that. So Bonnie makes this little Spork character uh, voiced by Tony Hale from Arrested Development and Veep. Um, But in it, it suggests that because she made it and because it's now a toy, it comes to life. So, I mean, like, does this raise questions about the magic of this world or what? Yeah, it, if you make anything, I suppose it's yeah, almost no, like yeah. um, it's very difficult to find an internal logic in these things because yeah. there's, there's these great theories about like cars and cars yep. being the post-apocalyptic future yeah. from toys. But then like you also see in cars that some of like the mosquitoes are little cars. Yeah, I know. And it's, you're, like, it's weird. It is it's very strange. It doesn't hold to its own internal logic. Um, maybe it is just the love of children playing with them that gives toys their, uh, their <laughs> animation. Uh, maybe it's... But it also suggests that maybe kids have made some real weird-ass toys I mean, as well. have you seen Sid from the first film where he <laughs> Frankenstein... That's true, actually, together? yeah. Like, he, he 
turned like uh, one of the um the things was a doll's head on like a Meccano spider. That's right. Yeah. Um, does that mean like everything that you make out of Meccano is like yeah like, somewhat sentient, or does it have to have the doll's head on it to yeah. animate it? And that it, baby or? couldn't talk either. No. for whatever reason. Like, is it because? The original toy didn't have a moving mouth, but, like, Woody doesn't have a... It's so weird. Can you attach, <laughs> like, toy heads to any object and animate them? <laughs> so, like, you know, if you're... Maybe we're actually looking at a Frankenstein situation. Exactly, yeah. Where, uh, you know, if, if uh, you someone dies, then you get, like, the head of a May- shop mannequin and put it on there, and you can reanimate <laughs> your dead loved ones. Maybe those googly eyes came from a pre-existing toy, and the toy the toy's soul is now inhabiting the life of this spork. Yeah, at, at what, like, at what point... If, if you were to slowly <laughs> remove pieces of it... And until it was back yep. to being a fork. Yep. At what point does it stop being a toy and lose its animation? <laughs> exactly. Because if, like, if it maintains something of it, if she just yeah. picks up a fork and goes, yeah, yeah. I love this fork, this fork is my toy, I want to play with it. Yeah. Is that fork then sentient? Yeah. But it hasn't been it given has- the eyes or mouth. Like it's, it's, it's almost trapped inside its own I brain. have no mouth and I must scream. Um, yeah, see, this is what happens, Disney Pixar, when you make four films in a series. Internet nerds have to start asking these questions <laughs> and we demand answers. We demand answers. Um, anyway, this film will be out later this year. I'm sure that it'll get nominated for some kind of Academy Award at some point when they don't have any other animated films to give it to. On to the final trailer for this week's episode, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, directed by Quentin Tarantino and starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. To my right is Bounty Law series lead and Jake Cahill himself, Rick Dalton. And to my left is Rick Stutt double Cliff Booth. So, Rick, uh, explain to the audience exactly what it is a stunt double does. Actors are required to do a, a lot of dangerous stuff. <laughs> Cliff here is meant to help carry the load. Is that uh, how you describe your job, Cliff? What, carrying his load? Yeah, it's about right. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a, like, brand name director <laughs> that I could actually pronounce the name of. <laughs> Although, is it Quentin or is it Quentin? I don't, I, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> um, so, apparently, his ninth film. And if you have a look yes. at the um, the cast list on this, it is a mile long. It's and, huge. and then there's also, like, an addendum at the end. is like, these other people are also, <laughs> also Tim Roth and James Marsden. Kurt Russell. And, and, yeah. uh, pr- pretty much, I think imagine they're cameos from people who have been in a lot of his other films. I believe so. And because this film deals with, it's set in Hollywood, it's about two actors. In the um, 60s or 70s? In the 60s or 70s, around about that time. Um, and because it's dealing with Hollywood, I suppose it sort of gives you carte blanche to like inject as many actors as you want into it because it's kind of fun. kind of reminds me of, um, what was that Coen Brothers film that they did relatively recently? Uh, Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. Yeah. So sort of set in a, a similar kind of fi- uh, Hollywood time, probably in the in the fifties, I think actually. Um, but yeah, it just allowed them to sort of inject as many little cameos and little bits and pieces that they wanted. Uh, this particular film deals with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, who is a big big time actor in Hollywood, and his stunt double played by Brad Pitt, Pitt uh, which is just a great bit of casting. It is. It's also billed, I think, uh, in the on the internet as being a crime thriller or a crime drama or something. Yeah, like that. the trailer doesn't portray it as a crime film. It's, it's a almost d- looks dark a bit, comedy crime. Yeah, film, yeah. Uh, it looks a little bit dark comedy, a bit screwballish. But there's no elements of crime that are sort yeah. of strictly shown in the film. Yep. Um, it's the naming convention comes from what we uh, Sergio Leone did once upon a time in the West and once upon a time in America. There yep. doesn't seem to be any link between those films other than Quentin Tarantino's little homage to those sort of classic filmmakers. Which I imagine there's going to be a ton of homages in this film 
based on the fact that it is set in Hollywood and, and it's also, about actors. Shane Black did a film a couple of years ago with uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. Yeah, the pleasant, nice guys. Not, I think, it, yeah, the nice guys, which has that bit of, like, that much more felt like a crime film yeah. set in, a dark comedy crime film yep. set in a 1960s, 1970s yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, I only watched about half of that film and went, this is quite good. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, another Shane yeah. Black film. Yeah. Um, that at least felt like a crime film. I'm not yeah. really sure. Maybe what they're, they're playing going with their here. their cards a little close to the chest with this film. I mean, it is a Tarantino film, so people are going to go see it regardless of it. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks like it could be a lot of fun. There's a lot of like kind of fun banter between uh, Brad Pitt and DiCaprio, and uh, Pitt against other actors as well. Yeah, Margot Robbie and DiCaprio have always had like they win Wolf of Wall Wolf Street. Wolf of Wall Street, yeah, they've got a good chemistry. Good, good chemistry there, um, and it's I mean it's Tarantino, right? Like you know he can direct. He knows what he's doing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> stay tuned for a laundry list of actors uh, appearing in this film, including Luke Perry, I read. Uh, this oh, is, really? This uh, will be his final appearance as well since his uh, unfortunate death uh, a month or yeah, about that. A month and a half ago. Uh, so, yeah, this is his uh, last release, his po- posthumous release. And those are the three trailers for this week's episode. But, of course, before we can do anything with those, we're going to have to take a little walk over to the green room. All right, here we are. Let's have a quick recap of this week's trailers. We have a Chinese martial arts film, uh, a, a new film in a very long-running series. We also have... Reboot of a beloved kids' animated yep, film another, that has another, very, very <laughs> lucrative <laughs> merchandising tie-ins. Indeed we do. And finally, we have a Hollywood screwball dark crime comedy film starring every conceivable actor that's ever acted in a film before. Um I believe that you chose last episode, so the honor goes to me. Interesting. Um, I think I want to do a Chinese martial arts film. I'm very, very glad you said that. Great. Uh, I'd know very little about it. <laughs> exactly. and, and also, in terms of like plotting, it very much seems like it's just built around a couple of big set action pieces. Yep. yep. But uh, we, we haven't really done anything quite like that before. Yep. I, I Look, I think that... American films tend to do the big style action films with no story, but they always they always take themselves way too seriously. The stakes are always way too high. There's always a Liam Neeson style character who's talking about how um, they're going to finish you off and yada, yeah. yada, yada. The last one we watched was the um, the Fast and Furious spinoff, yep. where it's just like, oh, the bad guy has been cybernetically enhanced. Yeah to be unstoppable and probably wants to take over the world's yep. nuclear codes and See, it's think, up to two people to stop them. Yeah, but I think that that's what we need. I think we need a little bit of levity in our film and a little bit of, like, skillful grace. Yeah, but I don't think the stakes need to be that high. No, they don't. You look no, at no. something like The Karate Kid. What are the stakes on that? It's just, like, just high school bullies in a, in a yeah. karate tournament. There's yep. nothing more than that, but it's it feels so grounded, so... Yep. Um, I also think that whatever we do, we're going to have to sort of create uh, some great merchandising opportunities here. So I'm thinking along the lines of like a G.I. Joe style uh, lineup of toys that have like karate chop action. And, yep. and uh, all we really need to do is we have one of those Ip Man sequences where there's a yep. hundred bad guys. Yep. But instead of all being dressed in the same suit, they're all dressed <laughs> in subtly different suits and all carrying subtly yeah, different yep. weapons. And we'll do that thing that uh, toy manufacturers really love doing right now, which is the blind box. Uh, oh, yeah. The series, you know, collect. It's like I already have 
uh, bad guy yeah. number 54. I've actually, yeah. I've, I've actually got 13 of them yeah. and I can't find number 98, it's, it's, who's it's, the ultra rare one. It's trading it's trading cards, but now with plastic instead of yeah. a piece of cardboard. Uh, so yeah, we'll do something like that, but we'll figure out what the story is first and, and what these characters are before we get to the wonderful, wonderfully delicious world of merchandising. So where do we start? Do we do a one person against uh, a a oncoming army of some kind kind of thing or do you want to do like more of a ragtag um crew of people no one person one person great I've, I'm, I'm feeling some scott pilgrimy kind of vibes yep yep but potentially maybe they're trying to break into a building yep and each level they go up in the building oh, great there's yep. just progressively more people yep. of different types yep kind of reminds me of the raid i think wasn't that to uh, sort of set in a single building and then sort of had a very small group of people against uh, a terrorist force or yeah some possibly kind of, yeah. I'm, I'm also getting vibes of the matrix of them breaking into where morpheus is being held you have the oh, lobby yeah. yep. scene you have him, yep. the, the helicopter scene yeah exactly well. but instead of them skipping all the levels of the elevator no, they using a helicopter. floor by floor uh to go up uh and defeat them um i mean i don't know what the justification is for like having to leave the elevator defeat the floor and then get back in the elevator i think the elevator's up. broken you've got to take the stairs ah uh, okay yeah i like it and then at every time they get i mean why would they open the door though because that's just the way the building is okay you, you can see the stairs no what we need is every time they like get to a door of one of the levels like a dave bautista style hand needs to burst through the door <laughs> and then throw them into the well, level does that mean we need every level we need a progressively beefier guy yeah, yeah so we, exactly we, we work our way up from like yep. your nicholas holt who is very scrawny <laughs> and thin all the way up to your dave bautista types. no what we do is it's we'll do a a captain america slash x-men style version of nicholas holt um where he starts off scrawny on level one and then on level twenty-five, it's suddenly the beast version of Nicholas Holt, <laughs> um, but not in act, not in actually being a beast. But we'll just do like a roided-up version of him. Uh, so, what's the motivation for this one lone figure uh, trying to make their way from ground floor all the way up? to I think the it floor. needs to be if we take it, if we go along the same um, arc that Chinese martial arts film go along, it's about honor. Okay. So maybe this is the headquarters of a particular family, like a particular, like not crime family, but like a prosperous uh, business who's run by a singular family. And maybe, like centuries ago, this family um, took out the ancestor of our singular person and took their idea and it made is, this company out of it. It is very much a flashback training montage. Yeah, yeah. Flash, flashback. Yep. Yep. Betrayal. Um, so, so yeah, our singular person has basically lived in effectively poverty or like very, very um, menial, uh, a menial kind of um, upbringing. Yeah. Because they're like his or her family has really never had anything. Like they've yeah. always been a bit poor. They've always been a bit peasanty. Um, and their great grand. So, so you're going very historic. I yeah. feel as though you're saying peasanty in a way where it's like a feudal village. And in my head, obviously, this skyscrapery thing is very. Oh no, much no it's sort of- yeah, yeah. But I'm it's thinking, just like, like they've had a history of this. I, do, I, I kind of feel as though these revenge films need to be a bit more personal. Yeah. I think this, okay. this child needs to have witnessed the father being killed yep. uh, at a young age. Yep. And the person who killed, like I imagine a business partner, yeah. killed father, said business partner, to take over the That's company. That's right, yeah, yeah. There's a there's kind of a similar plot in Ocean's 13 uh, without the killing part of it where, um, yeah, one of the guys takes over the other one and kicks them out of the deal. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that works. So this person has then grown up. Yeah, it, this is, you know, uh, I don't know, 12 years later, 12 yep. years of 
Kung, all of kung fu training. Oh, maybe I'd say eight when they see their parents getting killed, and yep. then twenty when they take on this okay. Herculean task yep. of uh, you know defeating all of the different bad yep. guys on all the different levels. So what this then, what that person then needs is a. They need a Mr. Miyagi style character who either informs them of the history and trains them to do something about it or just sort of inadvertently gives them the impetus to take on this, uh, yeah. this huge challenge. I kind of feel like this is feeling a very Kill Bill. Yep. So obviously, we touched on Tarantino this yep. week. Yep. Um, one of the things I really disliked about Kill Bill was the Paime um, character, which she went off and did the training montage. Yep. Because I think in the cinema where I watched it, everyone laughed at that character. Yep. And having spent a lot of time in Singapore and actually watching... Uh, Shaw Brothers films in Shaw Brothers cinemas in Singapore. Yep. I'm like, you're, like they're actually quite serious. This yeah. is not a comedy. Yeah. You're laughing at things that shouldn't be funny. I yeah. feel as though like the Australian audience is being insensitive. It's a cultural difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, that's fine. So we'll we'll do something like that then. Uh, so they go off and, and do a, a montage sequence of them training. Maybe they're not training specifically for this uh, this building. But maybe the person that's training them at the end of their training says, "Do you know why I've trained you for this?" Ooh. And then they reveal the like the hidden se- the head the hidden family secret, and then they're just like, "Okay, off you go." Is there some sort of like military? Like, are they being trained for special ops? And then they go, "Hey, all this military training that you've given me, I'm not yep. going to use it to be in the military. I'm going to go use it to seek revenge." Or because I really like the idea of like, that's you know, there's interesting. Uh, martial arts stylistic fighting where it is very physical yep. hand-to-hand you have uh like swords you have yep. ranged weapons then you have ballistics and you can have guns you can have assault rifles yep you get sort of start blending in the john wick style of stuff with yep. The, yep. the shaw brothers style of stuff with the kill bill sort of style of stuff yep and i like it potentially each level that you go up it changes quite a lot oh yeah so i like that so that like we are testing every set of their skills on each level so like um it's kind of like a video game i guess like you learn a particular skill yeah uh, and then you have to use just that skill. It's like Zelda, right? Like anytime you get an item in Zelda, um, you always end up using that item in the next dungeon yeah. because all the puzzles are de- designed around that one item that you just got. Do you ever play the game Super Hot? Uh, I know it, but uh, there, I haven't. There's, there's a um, uh, the mechanic in Super Hot is that time stops so long as you're not moving. Yep. So if you freeze, you can then sort of take a look at your surroundings and decide what you want to do next. Yep. And then as you as you start moving, the bullets start moving, so you have a chance of dodging bullets and yep. Yep. Um, targeting your opponents and stuff like that. And it very yep. much has that level of... The first couple of levels are just learning how to... Um, crack people across that like and, and yep. i say people these are legitimately like just sort of like red mannequin style things <laughs> uh, you crack them across the head yep. and then the next level up you get a baseball bat the yep. next level up yeah, yeah. you learn how to pick up wine bottles yeah, and then yeah. you get swords and then you get guns yeah this is great um i quite like that and we can use, even use like uh because bullet time was that big sort of stylistic feature in um the matrix in the and, matrix and even before that yeah maybe maybe we do that thing where it's a very very rough approximation of a video game oh yeah uh, and we call the film super hot yep and it's literally when they freeze it's just like you know again i don't want to take that bad idea from guy ritchie's sherlock holmes where <laughs> it kind of freezes he's like a punch to the right kidney then a clap to the jaw yeah and then i hit him on the cuffed ear and then a blow to his weakened kneecap and i take him <laughs> down and so he has the mental process of exactly what he's going to do before i do it yep maybe we do this stylistic thing in the film where it freezes yep and whoever our main character is and i have to tell you right now i really want brie larson as the lead role yes. in this one yep. um and and she sees the gun go off and the bullets in the air and she's just like dodge bullet to the right pick up wine bottle left yep. um throw wine bottle at 
uh, and then and then it plays through, and yeah. she, she does that. And great. Oh, this is great because like that's a great concept. So what we'll do is we'll try and license Super Hot the game uh, for the movie, which is incredibly loosely based on the game. Uh, so we we'll we'll go on the. If other you've way. ever watched the Max Payne film, yeah, and then nothing all, to do with it has the game. nothing to do with the video game, yep. but they're just using it to, for for tie-ins. Exactly, we do the same thing. Yeah, here. we'll do the exact same thing. The same thing that they I think they're doing for Sonic the Hedgehog as well. Um, so yeah, we'll 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 have it so that she's uh, narrating exactly what she's about to do. But this is great because we can do stuff like she narrates this like insane list of things that she's going to do which you're like no there's no way she can possibly do it and then she does it yeah uh then we'll do one where she's like narrating this list of things that she's going to do she starts doing it and then something happens to like interrupt the flow and you're just like oh damn where did that come from i want to throw a potential spanner in the works and i want to have a, a she can throw as many spanners as she wants <laughs> so that's, that's part of any any item that you can pick up and throw it's a, it's a weapon all right fair enough uh we'll definitely do a spanner throwing scene yeah <laughs> Le- level 14 is level- the spanners <laughs> What's the justification for so many spanners on that level? Oh, because uh, there's in most skyscrapers in the middle, you'll have a plant room. So they'll need <laughs> yeah. um, air conditioning. Uh, oh, yeah. They call it the plant. It's, it's a lot of mechanics. Yep. It's normally about two and a half stories tall. Yep. And it has all of your pipes and all of your okay, air conditioning yep. and yep. all of your... Um, so it's just like a lot of uh, yeah tools and stuff yeah, lying around to exactly. handle all that. Yeah, cool. That makes sense. That's why they'd have hundreds of thousands of spanners in there. Um, I wanted I wanted to do a a buddy moment as well. Okay. Um I don't know if we have the buddy being part of the entire film and then there's a betrayal or if the buddy comes in at some point and then gets killed. Um so sort of like almost like there's a co-op mode about halfway through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we and I mean think of the think of the merchandising possibilities as well when you have the buddy action figure as well yeah can you think about like we will we'll have to do plastic castings of another actor as well it, it really does double your merchandising opportunities does. um so who I, I was about to say you could do a thing where i i had a, a batman toy yep when you were when i was quite little yep and you could like kind of pull its head off and oh, replace yeah, the, it yeah 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 i remember uh, that and i kind of feel as like maybe you could do that with this one where you sell one toy with lots of different faces yep but that halves <laughs> It does. I so. mean, I was just about to mention, should there be like an identical twin character? And then I was like, oh, hang on a sec. No, you could just buy the one toy. <laughs> well, no, you still have to buy two you toys. Have to buy two oh, no, toys. we should do identical twins. You know what this means? It's cheaper for us to produce because we don't have to like 3D map two separate actors. We just do the one. And then we just paint them different colours for different types of clothing. It's true. I kind of feel as though one of the stipulations of this film was that all of the action sequences had to be like oh, done person in to person yeah they so still either, can. either we just get real lucky and find out that Brie Larson actually <laughs> has an identical twin no we do it the old fashioned way so we shoot it once with uh, Brie Larson playing the first character and then we shoot it again with Brie Larson playing the second character comp it together in post if it was the CGI route we'd be like creating a digital version of Brie Larson and making that b- digital version fight alongside real world version could of we just Brie get Larson. Alison Brie to play Brie Larson's twin <laughs> sister <laughs> <laughs> they don't look okay you just want to play sisters yeah sure they can, they can be okay. sisters all right cool we'll we'll do the face scans on them then that that's where all our budget will go getting the face scans for the toys um all right so they'll be sisters and should they maybe she um maybe she should just be on one of the levels yes um and it's just like a surprise twist that at like level 15 it's like a mini boss yeah, I, is she fighting against them? I, I would have thought that maybe initially, so on level, like, let's say there's 30 levels, yep. meets her on level 15, yep. and she's just like, oh, you're coming in here just all gung-ho beating people up. Yep. I've been trying to infiltrate this company. Ah, okay, so she's been stealthing her way stealthing up. her way in there. Yep. And they're like, okay, well, well, screw this. Let's let's beat our way together. Yep. And then some at some point later on, there's a twist where uh, Alison Brie is 
actually loyal to the company and they have to fight each other. Yeah, I like that. So maybe, um, yeah, so she hasn't been, we find out that she hasn't actually been stealthing her way through the building. She's been using like cheats to get around the building. Oh, right. Like warp pipes, basically. Yeah, the the, the blueprints with the hidden fire escapes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and she's just pretending that she's stealthing through the building when her plan goes awry because her sister turns up on the same level that she's on. Oh. But really, she's an employee of that She's company. actually, she's uh, executive management. She's, yeah. She was, you know, originally I'm going to come in and... and, and yeah come in from the inside in fact and but I, now I've been turned by the person who killed our father because Ken Watanabe <laughs> so wait, Ken Watanabe is the is the person in charge of the company no no the, there's Alison Brie and Brie Larson's father oh, the, okay um, I think that Alison Brie is actually adopted as well oh, so what this the is the adopted daughter of the person exactly oh, right yeah. okay this is this is very um, uh, Hong Kong film yeah, exactly lots, lots of so twists this it actually feels more like Final Fantasy where everyone <laughs> has their own sort of secret and twisted backstory. This, this company basically when Alison Brie was a child <laughs> a very young child they implanted the plan for her to infiltrate the other family uh so oh right brie larson's family yes uh so she's been playing this role for like a like decades decades now. and then finally when they meet in the building for the like the first time the plan is yeah busted um and she has to get out of her sleeper agent role and take on so it's sister against sister. I think that, that is the, pen, the, not the penultimate, the ultimate, the, the very final that's it, thing. Yeah, that's she the, gets to the top level and expects to find the boss, um, whoever. Head honcho. But that boss has actually been dead yeah, for, for okay. five years and the company has been run by Alison Brie yep. that entire time and no one knows <laughs> because no one's been up to the top level. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose that also is the impetus for uh, Brie Larson trying to break in. Yep. She's like, this guy hasn't been seen in public for five years. Yeah. He only ever lives in the top penthouse suite of yep, his yep. Um, uh, impenetrable uh, fortress skyscraper yep. I have to get up there to, to finally beat him she gets up he's already dead and, yep. and Alison Bree's been um, yeah du- double crossing the yep. whole time uh, and the person the person that runs the company is definitely Charlie on fat okay yep sure um, but like obviously he doesn't appear in the film because he's dead no no he does he does he, appear. he appears in the back sequences he appears so there's always like news conferences there's always articles and stuff oh. about this company because the company in the story itself has CGI'd him. Yeah. Um, so they've basically, they're putting up the appearance that he's still alive, still running the company, but he's been dead for five years. Yeah. So he's like, Chow Yun-Fat's still in the film. We'll still cast him. We'll still shoot footage of him. But the story goes that he's actually already dead. And right. they're just using uh, fictitious footage of him to suggest that he is still alive and running the company. Um, so yeah, I think and the, the great part about that is a la Star Wars, we can still make action figures of a character that's going to be dead in a few films anyway. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely 3D scan Chaeyong Fat. Should we scan Ken Watanabe as well? Yeah, sure. Will he make a good action figure? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, because we only really see him in the flashbacks. Yeah. Because he... I mean, we'll definitely do it. Yeah. We'll I, definitely be in the blind box. Ken Watanabe uh, and the various, like, you got to get him in different costumes I think as well. just like... Um, Master Z, the Ip Man Chronicles. Yep. At some point, we're just going to have to spin off all the auxiliary characters oh, in yeah, their own sure. martial arts yep. films. Yep. So we might as well get the 3D scans in yep. now, we'll get the, the resin model plastic injector yep. yep. molds ready. So, Did we cast a uh, like a mentor figure for Brie Larson yet? No, we haven't really sort of touched on that a no. little bit. 
No, and I don't want to cast Jude Law because he's already done that to Brie Larson. Uh, but who? Who should be... Is it Robbie Downer Jr. then? Is, <laughs> we, does he teach He teach the, the Sherlock? I don't think he should be in this film. No, um, no I don't want him in this film. Uh, who else? So there's a couple of ways we can go here. What about, we, uh, sorry, I can, what about Michelle Yao? Why not? Yeah. She's in uh, Ip Man, apparently. Uh, she has she a bit is of a, the, you know, has the history of Crouching Tigers yep. and Hidden. James Bonding with Tomorrow's The Never The World yep. and Never Lies yep. Enough. Yep, it definitely doesn't lie enough. Uh, yeah, so I think she'd be great as a kind of um, mentor figure to Brie Larson. Sure. Um, should she have a, like, what's her actual, does she have any more connection to, she can't just be a random mentor. Yeah, no, she's actually Alison Brie's mum. Okay, so, so she's defected from the other family. Yeah, so, so yeah, Chow, okay. she used to be married to Chow Yun-Fat. Yep. They had Alison Brie as a child. Yep. Um, corrupted her to send her into the other family. Yep. Then Michelle Yao had a falling out with Chow Yun-Fat. Yep. And then uh, secretly took on uh, Brie Larson as yep. a protege to train her, to yep. send her into her ex-husband's company yep. to take it down, okay. not realizing that the ex-husband was already dead and run by her uh, estranged daughter. You know, the one thing that this film needs, aside from... Oh, we already have the title, but the other thing it needs is we need a introductory scene a la Ip Man 3 utilizing uh, kung fu and martial arts in a way that's stupid and unexpected and not to do with fighting. Oh, really? Because I actually, I imagined this first scene literally being her work, walking into the, the lobby level yep. and just beating the shit out of a whole bunch of guards. <laughs> and then we flash back and try and get a bit more context. Yeah, that's but fine. But we, we just start right out the gate. Yep. Um, we're going to start. Oh, yeah, no, we'll definitely do that. But we need that in part of the flashback where uh, Brie Larson is being taught by uh, Michelle Yao. Oh, right. What? There, it's, they need like the a, a cute little Danny Larusso trying to catch a fly with some chopsticks. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, uh, the there is no spoon yep. kind of like. Yep. it's not martial arts, but it's all it's about definitely sort of the, related. Yeah. It's definitely about utilizing the There's abrasive a thing, movement. I think in um uh. The man, not the man in the Iron Mask. What's the Count of Monte Cristo? Yep. Where there's like a thing of dripping water, and he's got to stick oh, yeah. his hand in yep. between the drips. Yep. Um, to to hone his lightning reflexes. Yep. It's the wax on, the wax off. What's <laughs> what's our version of that? We need something stupid. I think it needs to be the most ridiculous thing you've ever thought of, but also just the most. Uh, so all those things involve I've like got really it. small things. I've yep. got it. She's standing underneath a tree. Yep. And she has to make sure that no leaves that the tree drops touches touch the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and she has to stand there all all autumn. Yep. And every time a leaf drops, yep. she has to be so quick that she can catch it. Yep. And make sure that it, and she, and she's like when uh <laughs> when, whenever you are so skilled yep. that none of the leaves from this tree touch the ground. Yep. Then you are ready. Yep. And so every autumn for like 12 years, yep. she stands underneath and gradually she's like the first autumn, like the first leaf touches the ground and she's just yep. like, oh, I failed. And the next next autumn, like less leaves yep. until the final autumn, you just see the tree is empty of leaves. Yeah. And, and then she's, she's holding like a huge pile of leaves. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure what she does with them, but maybe she stacks them in a pile of like, yeah, you know, these are right. the leaves that I caught and these are the leaves I didn't catch. Okay. And, and Michelle Yao's just like, now you're ready. Now yep. you're ready to yep. take this on. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think, yeah, what will happen is the last leaf will fall. It's all like she's on a hill, nothing around her. Yep. It's just like a green grassy plain. It's a big old tree with the classic maple leaf style leaves. Last leaf falls. The camera just sort of turns, like it's sort of showing her face and it just turns to the left and Michelle Yao's just there. She's yep. just come out of nowhere and she's just like, now you are ready. Yeah. Um, 
And then we fade back into like level four or five of the yeah. building and she's yeah. like kicking ass. And then whatever she's doing at that point, I think she's probably juggling um, maybe like uh, people are throwing knives at her oh, or yeah. something and then she's just catching them out of the air. So we sort of make a nice um, symbolic Illusion, link yeah. between yeah. catching leaves and catching knives because they're pretty much the same thing. I, may, maybe we even do it as so far as there's some very important documents that she's got to retrieve. Oh, yep, yep. Uh, and maybe... And maybe they're someone's, all, they're someone's throwing them in the air. Yeah, in the air. She's just grabbing them <laughs> and then as she's grabbing them, she's also <laughs> killing lots of people yeah, I like with it. various yeah, weapons. And we'll do it in slow-mo. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, it's only in slow-mo when she's not moving and she's thinking. That's true, yeah. And then as she moves forward, it, f- it speeds up. Great. That's it. I think that's a wrap on Super Hot. And we don't even need to cast and we don't even no, this is to great. name the film. This is, it's all, much better when we do it all halfway through. All we need is to get the rights to the video game. I think that's going to be quite easy. I'm fairly sure like the video game was made like over the course of like a, a weekend. There's like yeah. these things that they go to where it's like the initial, co- the initial coding version marathons. Was, yeah. And it's just like, oh, what can you churn out in like 48 hours of coding? Yep. And they came up with Super Hot. So I'm fairly sure the guys that yeah. you know, not that attached to it they'd be Probably happy not, yeah. to, for us to make a film about Never it mind the fact that that game made a lot of money yeah it's, it's actually really good <laughs> it's a very very fun game <laughs> for, for something that has very very simple mechanics yeah and the film tie-in will be as well and then we'll do the game of the film of the game yep <laughs> alright uh, that's a wrap on Super Hot housekeeping as per usual we are online at moviefilmstudios.net where you can find all of our previous episodes our bios and the database of films that we've made on this podcast search facebook and instagram for movie film studios and join the community we post emoji translation and anagram clues as to the trailers we've watched in upcoming episodes uh, congratulations if you recognize that the emoji of a teddy bear and a storybook was uh, toy story yep i'm actually not 100 percent sure uh if like because the emoji for toy on the iphone is a little teddy bear mm. but it has a habit of changing whenever you look at it on different devices mm. so uh facebook will have a subtly different thing yeah uh, who knows what will actually happen to that emoji when it gets posted up um the translate clue if you punched in draw al into google translate you would have found that it was welsh for time and time again in holly trees <laughs> uh which is obviously once upon a time in hollywood um and uh, amazingly, Champs Tita is, of course, Master Zed, the Ip Man Chronicles. <laughs> or is it the Ip Man Chronicles? Sure. Uh, n- yeah, good enough. That's uh, something about Ip Man. Um, anyway, congratulations to anyone that figured out those clues. Uh, if you like tossing a whole bunch of podcasts into the air and catching them before they hit the ground, uh, then how about checking out our podcast on the various uh, distributors that we're on or the various platforms we're on, rather, because we are on Apple iTunes, we are on Podbean, we're on Spotify, we're on YouTube. Go to moviefilmstudios.net. Moviefilmstudios.net, all of our episodes are there, and pretty much any other place that you get podcasts from. If you like the podcast, tell a friend about it who also likes people who make up films <laughs> on the fly, because that's it. <laughs> our niche market and we need more people like that listening indeed we do and i think that's it all that remains is to thank you once again for listening this week i've been isaac and i've been aj roll credits